podcast at Ground Zero is presented to you by the Apocalypse. Because without the Apocalypse we wouldn't be doing this show. Friends of the Apocalypse, this is Podcast at Ground Zero, your home for the Apocalypse, for episode 89, What's an Apocalypse? I am the Apocalypse Nerd, and he is Adam Baumglancy. Glancy. Welcome to the Wastelands. Greetings, folks. Alright, folks, so what is an Apocalypse? So today, we are going to define the Apocalypse to the best of our ability, because uh, in the course of many shows we've talked about this in little snippets here and there like like what is an apocalypse what is what's a macro what's a micro what's a this what's a that what's the time frame so we've kind of talked about it in different components and we wanted to kind of have a more cohesive just conversation uh about that so uh, mm-hmm. so that's what we're going to we're going to talk about uh on today's show and uh for, well, first before we start i wanted to uh since we did the last show, we've uh, uh, enjoyed a couple of delicious uh, cups of coffee uh, on some of our viewers, and we just wanted to thank those folks who uh, contributed to the collective and uh, absolutely uh, get us a cup of coffee to help keep us going. Again, uh, we, we do uh, appreciate that. All that little bit helps keep us going. Another thing I'm not going to be doing anymore is I know we refer to ourselves, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but a lot of times we refer ourselves as, you know, because we're gamers, as everybody knows, as grognards. Yeah. I'm not going to refer, we're, I'm not going to refer to us as grognards anymore because I've seen too much lately about the type of people who self-identify as that, and they're not my kind of people. We're not going to be able to reclaim the word grognard. Is what I'm saying. It has been it has been claimed by a very grumpy class of human that we're just not going to be able to wrestle that term back to respectability. And I don't want to be associated with those type of people, so we're not going to no. grognards anymore. We'll figure we'll figure something else out. We're OG gamers, yeah. <laughs> well, old Original grumpy. gamers, old old and grumpy, old grumpies, <laughs> old grumpy gamers. Yes, that's what old G stands for. Um, yep, that's fair. Oh, and speaking of gaming, I just you know again off topic. I'll just real quick. Uh, oh, and by the way, we're we're gonna need to record a off topic probably in the next couple episodes because I've been seeing a lot of cool stuff lately, especially movie wise. Because uh, mm-hmm. I've mentioned this website in the past. Quiet Earth is a blog website that I've been following for decades. I mean, I think it really I think it started in the very early two thousands. And they're always posting about generally post-apocalyptic and dystopian type movies. And they've been posting a lot of stuff lately. And there's a lot of stuff that's coming out that could be interesting. Like there's even like there's this one that's coming. I'll talk about later. But there's even one coming out with Tom Hanks on Apple TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. So we're going to do an off-topic soon. And we're going to talk about uh, a lot of the stuff that's coming out. But I want to say is lately I've been obsessing about Mothership. The oh. RP, the RPG. 
because you're putting so much stuff out. And I don't know. It's like because it's uh, for those of you who don't know, Mothership is a very it's a streamlined, simple, old school style role playing game set in space and horror. So I just I just been really drawn to it lately um, because you know I love fantasy. Love fantasy, love D&D, all that kind of stuff. You know, love the apocalypse. But my first love was science fiction. Star Trek in 1975 when it aired. Space 1999, Battlestar Galactica, UFO, like uh, Buck Rogers. Sci-fi was my thing. <clears throat> Star Wars, all that stuff. Uh, and this is science fiction in space. You know, so it's like, you know, you got your travel, but it's gritty and it's raw. Because I like horror. But I don't know. For some reason, that's like I, I've played a lot of Call of Cthulhu stuff. But setting something in the conte- like contemporary world, or like you know, no offense to Delta Green or anything, but just doing it in the real, like not the real world, but in this kind of setting, you know, just this day to day settings. Just I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me as much as horror in space. Just really, I don't know. Just it just it just clicks all the buttons for me. You know. Well, it's, if you can suspend your disbelief. That we've gotten out beyond the solar system, then why shouldn't the the, the galaxy at large be filled with all kinds of horrible shit? And uh, I would say that um, I was just listening to a thing about uh, the the movie Event Horizon and about yeah. how the, the the whole point of Event Horizon was to make a haunted house movie in space that would be less about a physical threat and more about the kind of threat you would get from a ghost story. And science fiction, and certainly this is one of the things that Lovecraft type tried to do, was to try and take supernatural stories but made, and horror stories that always had a supernatural bent and then inject enough science into the stories to make them even more plausible. So maybe it's not a ghost or something. Maybe it's like... Uh, a you know a, a psychic impression or something that's uh, you know rather than a, an actual spirit or something it's just a, a reflection reflection of you know things left behind so you know science fiction meets horror always works because you can use the tools of science fiction to create the same horrors zombies uh, you know the Frankenstein monster pieced together and brought back to life you know you can. You could do all the stuff with, uh, uh, you know, you could get all the things in like, I mean, we've had vampires in science fiction, right? Yeah. That weren't blood drinking vampires, but had all the things of there. You can get all the classics into science fiction and use science fiction as your reason for why, you know, you shouldn't have opened that tomb on that dead planet, you know, and it doesn't have to necessarily be. Because and, and and it could be the result of you know alien tech instead of uh, the spirits or whatever. Oh yeah, uh, so it's just it's just it's like I said, so it's really drawn me because also you know there's the alien uh, role playing game that came out by Free League and stuff uh-huh. you know so like I don't know I've just been really I don't know just you know getting jazzed up about science fiction horror because again science fiction was my first love before uh-huh. any before fantasy. Before sword and sorcery, before post-apocalypse, science fiction was my thing, you know. But um, uh, yeah. So anyway, so and like, thank you for sending me that uh, copy of that PDF. Oh yeah, I want to play. I want to play that game so bad. But um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, that was that was my uh, completely off-topic uh, topic tirade. So <clears throat> defining the apocalypse. So 
oh god, we've had a couple of conversations about like what you know, like what, what defines the apocalypse? Because you know, we we've in the past have set some parameters, like you know, is it a full blown apocalypse? Is it a macro? Is it a micro? You know, because you know, because you could have situations where it's like you know, the far remote island, you know. The volcano blew up and destroyed civilization, and they have no contact with anybody else. To them, that's an apocalypse. But it was an apocalypse for you and me. So that's kind of like you know, kind of like the micro, you know, or macro yeah. type apocalypse. The, the classic you know? example you always pulled out was Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, Twenty Eight Days Later, Deep Six is the British Isles, but the rest of the world is ticking along with their uh, what would you call it, their quarantine of the islands, you know, trying to keep the the infection from getting off. And uh, that's kind of a, I mean, it's not micro if you're in London. It's not micro if you're in Leeds or Edinburgh or any of those places. But it's... Well, there, well, well there's got to be something. Well, 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 if, well, you got micro. What's bigger? Uh, macro Macro is bigger than a micro, right? Uh... Macro is bigger. Uh, is mega apocalypse the biggest where we trash the whole planet? Or do we have to trash the solar system to get to mega? Uh, I don't know. It's like what you know, because yeah, like the, yeah, like the whole British and they thought everything was done for until they started seeing jets fly over. It's like what you know. So you know, I mean, that's a you know, or like in uh, Doomsday. Um, yes, yes, where we've just uh, we've just apocalyptic Scotland. Scotland, yeah. <laughs> How do you tell the difference? You know, <laughs> people people didn't like that movie. I, I liked it. I, I had a fun time with that. But but again, those are you know those are uh, you know those are micro or or smaller. There's got to be a better term because uh, it's they're not that small. Oh, uh, but, uh, but, but they're uh, but they're not but they're not world spanning. You know, yeah. P- Peninsula is the, the Korean movie is is another example where we fucked up the Korean Peninsula, but we have not overrun the planet. They're, that's our apocalypse. Yeah, so you can have an apocalypse, you know, within still normal society, you know. But, you know, we tend to gravitate towards liking, you know, it's like, guess what? The world's over. You know, we like those kind of full-on apocalypses. Um, so, you know, we have that. But then also, another thing that we've talked about, and I'm just, we're just going to bounce around here, folks, is, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have, you know, your pre-apocalypse you know, uh, kind of situations, you know, like in a lot of movies have it like before it all goes down. Then you have apocalyptic movies that take place during it going down. Like, yeah, you know, like, like Greenland that just came out recently with, uh, you know, um, uh, geez, what's his name? The Scottish actor who was in uh, 300. I'm suddenly forgetting the actor's name, but we saw Greenland. There was another one that uh, Forrest. Awake Whitaker... was awake was during the like everything falling down. Yes, you know? yes, you, you're, 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 Recent. and the the thing about the the apocalypse is that we that take place this sort of it's going down right now scenarios is those are almost those always strike me a little bit like a disaster movie, yes. you know, like the Towering Inferno or the Poseidon Adventure. It's usually about people in a in a tiny corner of the apocalypse dealing with their particularly fucked up situation. You know, oh, yeah. they don't they don't really get a, a grip on how bad things are until at some point somebody gets to a radio and finds out, oh, yeah, FEMA's not coming. You know, it's not just this town. It's not just this ship or whatever. It's everywhere. You know. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So is is a disaster movie an apocalypse? Because well, some apocalypse movies have the features of disaster movies. And some some of these disasters turn into apocalypses, but not necessarily 
uh, vice versa. You know, just because you have a disaster doesn't mean it's going to be the end of the world. You know, like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, what's a disaster movie that doesn't... Deep uh, Impact. Deep Impact mm, uh, is, uh, it, is it, it's a disaster movie, and there's sort of an apocalyptic event, but it's not a complete apocalypse, and you get this whole, we will rebuild, and everything's going to be fine in, what, a decade or five years or something, you know. Same thing with that movie San Andreas with uh, Dwayne Johnson, right, where they're going to they're gonna have the, the world's worst earthquake, and California's going to fall into the sea, and the, literally the last line is like, we will rebuild or some shit, not we're permafucked. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so a disaster movie isn't necessarily an apocalypse, but a lot of times a disaster could turn into an apocalypse, you know? Yeah. Depending, but then also at the time, the people who are in it, it seems like an apocalypse to them because they don't know how extensive it is, so it's really hard to nail this down. You know, because there's so many nuances to it, you know. And one of the big things that uh, we talk about also, again, we're going to continue to, again, bounce around, folks, is the time frame. Okay, let's say, we, so let's say we're having a full-on apocalypse, okay? Not even just a disaster, not a micro, not a macro. So it's, it's a global event, okay? Now, completely, completely shutting down global trade, global trade and energy, uh, uh, regional governments, continental governments are going to fail. There's no way Moscow can tell what Vladivostok to do anything. There's no way that San Francisco is talking to Washington. It's all broken up into who can control five square blocks, who can scrounge food. It's that bad. It's gone, McCready. It's gone. Correct. Can, can you... Can, can we fix it? It's, it's gone, McCready. So civilization's gone, McCready. <laughs> can we fix it? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's gonna it's that bad. Yeah, it's it's that level of bad. It's Mad so, Max everywhere. So it's Mad Max. It's a global apocalypse. Everything's collapsed. So we're definitely in the apocalypse. Great. Now, uh, so we're in a post-apocalypse. You know, because maybe it's whatever it happened. And but how long does that apocalypse last? That's the question because we have lots of good examples of settings that are considered post-apocalyptic, but it's like I can't. It doesn't look post-apocalyptic. Like, uh, like Classic a, is Shannara. The, the, I was gonna say Shannara. I read those first three books, okay, back in high school, and um, I'll never get that time back. But. Um, <laughs> That I found out years, decades later, like, oh, that's a post-apocalyptic setting. I'm like, really? Yeah. I don't yeah, remember. I, didn't, I it, didn't see it either. I read the it first book. It was a book. fucking fantasy book. It was sword and sorcery. What What apocalypse? So It's like, you know, Horse Clans is another one. Um, horse, Clans. Uh, horse Clans is supposed to be post-apocalyptic, but I read it as fantasy. It just reads as fantasy. The first book had a, 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 a hint of it, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, Hyboria, Samaria, you know, the Conan, that, that's supposed to be a post-apocalyptic world. You are right. The, 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 it is set in a magical post-apocalyptic world where there was a giant empire that ruled everything that suffered a, a magical version of Doomsday. And this is what's left afterwards. So it's technically post-apocalyptic. Absolutely. Elric. Elric. Yes, is post is considered post apocalyptic, but where do you draw the line? Because technically, okay, because you know, if I, I'm going to use an extreme example, the dinosaurs 
had a uh, 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 a species-ending event, okay? Extinction event, level event. Killed off all the major dinosaurs, it was apocalypse. We're living in that post-apocalyptic world, however, tens of millions of years later. So, are we considered, are we living in a post-apocalyptic world, Scott? As far as the T-Rexes are concerned, fucking A right, man. They're the ones going, you know, get your paws off me, you damn dirty apes. You know, for them, it's absolutely a post-apocalypse. And for the whatever survived the, the what, the Cambrian extinction, you know, that's another world-altering. That's one of the things I would say about an apocalypse. Apocalypses, when we think of, you know, one of the things we really think of is like the classic apocalypse is the one that reorders everything. Now, it doesn't mean that civilization is completely extinct, but it does mean that whatever it's a emerges it's from a reset, it you know. has, yeah, has been dramatically altered. Um, like, I mean, for example, Mega City One, you know, of Judge Dredd. Sure, Mega City One kind of has just around the edges has kind of these the trappings of sort of a super hyper america you know but you'll see some stars you'll see some red and white stripes but this ain't america baby you know what i mean um it's it really ain't america anymore um it is mega city one well you got mega city one mega city two and you have uh uh tex uh what's texas city they don't like being called Mega City Three. In yeah. <laughs> so all, all, in all, but and then, but then, all between all those is the cursed Earth, which is an apocalyptic landscape, which exists at the same time as high technology dystopia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like I said, it's 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 just, hard just, to just, nail it down. Just like Logan's Run, I was going to compare that to Logan's yep. Run. Logan's Not Run? just the the movie, but also the books of Logan's Run were absolutely a high-tech dystopia existing in a, in a post-apocalyptic landscape. And when Logan pulls the fucking plug on the computer that runs uh, his dystopia, it it's a second apocalypse. The Logan's World and uh, I'm trying to remember the other book in the series are all set in the post-apocalyptic world where the dystopia has been wrecked by Logan. So, you know... Uh, but I, I would say that, you know, one of the things that jumps out about the idea of uh, how long afterwards still continues to count as post-apocalyptic, I I feel like that when we think of the classic post-apocalyptic um, uh, genre films and, and, and art, there has to be some connection to the world that's gone. There's a connection. There's, still, the, there's still a slight. There's still a connection to the past, yeah. And it and it's still a memory. It's but it's still within recent memory. Well, it doesn't even have to be that recent. We had a couple thousand years uh, of of uh, time that went by. In um, gosh, what is it the, with the road builders? Eter- What's the Etern- Eternity Road. Yeah, Eternity Road is is thousands of years, but they know there's a civilization. The same way we know there are Egyptians. The same way we know that there are Romans or or or. Um, Sumerians and Babylonians uh, thousands of years later. But, um, you know, that's a very good comparison because it's like, it's just like it's a past civilization. So, but really, but is it still considered post-apocalyptic? Because it's like, are we living in a, 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 an Egyptian post-apocalyptic world? 
Well, it's funny Roman you should get posted, into that. You know what I mean? It's like, no, we're not. Yeah, it's funny you should get into that because there's, there is a thing that is referred to as the Bronze Age Apocalypse yes. or the Bronze Age Crisis where Egypt, Assyria, Mycenaean Greece fucking crashed and burned in uh, like 50 years. In 50 years, every major city in the Western Mediterranean was burned and looted in an attempt to get food because it appears that there was some sort of crash for the food supply. And as one place had no food, everyone stormed into the next civilization. Nobody sat still to die and starve in place. Everyone packed their shit and went where there were supplies and took them and wrecked the place in the process. And in 50 years, in the lifetime of one human being, they went from trade across the Western Mediterranean you know, to create Bronze Age artifacts because you got to get the tin from one place and you got to get the copper from another place. And suddenly they went down to Egypt's barely hanging on by a thread is greatly diminished. Mycenaean um, Greece is gone. Uh, the, the, the Hittite civilization is wrecked and uh, a new civilization of Assyria has risen up to, to take over some of it. But it's, it's, uh, it's Fubar. And for them, yeah, it, it, technically, yes, that's a post-apocalyptic. Uh, it, it, this idea that there have been multiple apocalypses, that we, that we as humans keep surviving. Oh, we're, 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 living, we're, we're living, you know, people in Central America are living in a Mayan post-apocalyptic world, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah. and they, you know, and they may be, not to mention the alien invasion of Europeans that happened right after uh, Mayan civilization crashed and burned because the Spanish didn't really, you know, come crashing in on the Mayans the way they did on the Aztecs. The Mayans were already abandoning their cities and abandoning those big temple complexes by the time the Spanish showed up because they were already in decline. And I'm not, you know, hundred percent sure why there's a lot of thought that it might've been, they may have gotten a dose of plague. Uh, certainly there was enough of it about in the Caribbean at the time with the new, new world diseases coming, or it could have been something else. But um, these, these apocalypses keep happening and human beings keep surviving in some fashion after another uh, whether it's the, um, you know, uh, uh, something like the Little Ice Age of the, the that took place, I want to say, the Little Ice Age is what like the 1600s or something, where we we had a change in the environment uh, that lowered the temperatures globally. Um, we do keep surviving these things, and we can, and that was one of the things that happens in the Saberhagen novel that I picked up. Um, oh, uh, yeah. Um... yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the title of it. There's a, uh, I'll I'll pull it up on my Kindle. I think that's where I picked it up. But um, that Saber Hagen novel is such that the world that you and I know, the 1980s, the 1970s, this late 21st century world is so far in the past. They've had so many civilizations rise and fall. That one, there is no artifacts from that. None. And instead... Uh, the past civilizations that you know uh, that have risen and fallen, and their characters living as tribal men, tribal people living in jungles, they're running across the ruins of the civilizations that moved the earth so it wouldn't get eaten when the sun became a red giant. That civilization rose and fell. So um, 
it was an interesting take on the post-apocalyptic and that, you know, dark as the sun finally looked it up. It wasn't Saberhagen. It was Philip Jose Farmer. I got that wrong. Oh, Jose Farmer. That's right. Well, see, yeah, Saberhagen is a whole nother set of uh, novels where they were looking for this tank uh, to win this uh, war or something like that. But yeah, I think Saberhagen is the guy who did the Berserker series. Yeah. It's, but so it's like, so yeah. So having all these conversations, you know, you know, where do you draw the line? You know, or do you draw the line? Because again, because technically everything is a, a apocalypse. Well, because at the end, you know, what's the apocalypse? You know, is it just a you know, is it is it considered an apocalypse? You know, do, do we only consider it an apocalypse unless it's a global spanning collapse of every civilization? And the world has to start over, you know, is that, yeah. you know, because having these smaller isolated ones aren't really a pot, you know, it's like, yeah, the, it's like, yeah, the bronze age thing's collapsing, but other areas are still going on. So yeah, it's not like just it, didn't, this didn't bother the Chinese at all yeah. when, when civilization burned up or the, the, the didn't bother the guys living on the Indus River at all. When Mycenaean Greece fell over and went boom, not at yeah, all. Yeah, because I mean these these are these are localized, these are isolated. You know, these are you know again macro larger apocalypse, but not global world spanning. You know, uh, part of the then, difference is is that civilizations, uh, civilization on Earth has gotten to the point where it's so completely intertwined, and that that that's an that's an effect of the I would say an effect of the post World War Two world. Yeah. Is that that in, a, in, a, in a, that World War Two, post World War Two, created a world where everything is integrated and everything is connected, and there's global markets. It started in World War One because of all the material used to fight that war in Europe. But uh, World War Two is the one where they're fighting in the all over the Pacific Ocean, all over the Atlantic Ocean, all over Europe, all over Asia. It it really does cover a lot more square footage and. It lead, at the end of it, you've got a world where, you know, um, America is paying attention to the comings and goings in Tibet. Like, we have decided we need to know how things are going in Nepal for America's national security, you know, in a atomic, you know, in the atomic age, you know. Um, and I think that that... that there was a time when civilizations would have huge areas between them that would just be filled with barbarians, uh, their own cursed earths so that they're, you know, between China and the Roman empire is a big swath of hairy guys on horseback. who will kick the shit out of you and take your stuff, you know, but, but, but everything is so interconnected now that if yeah. the dominoes start falling, it's going to fall. Everything. Certainly, that's the way we envision an apocalypse now. Yeah. Is that it will it it it's global because we live in a globally connected markets, globally connected uh, technologies, yeah, economies, communications, everything. So, um, for the, the, the when we worry about an apocalypse, the worry, you know, the the the, the idea is not the, there's no help coming from anywhere, you know, um, because because. Joe Blow on the other side of the, the other side of the world on a different continent is going through the same shit I'm going through. Yeah. He can't help me. I can't help him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's what that's what we again. You're right. In modern terms, is how we kind of think of the apocalypse because again, but then also like I said, time frames are important to me too. Like you know, like I said, Moorcock or other things like when you're like thousands and thousands and thousands, oh, yeah, and thousands of the, years. Uh... 
the Jewel in the Skull series, the uh, all those were post-apocalyptic, but it's it's so far in the future he the gets event, to have a fantasy world. Yeah, yeah, the event that happened is not in any kind of living memory or books or it's so far removed where it's just like, yeah, we think there was this thing. You know, it's so and it's the world has changed so much. Is it really is it real still still an apocalypse? Because like, uh, what, what was that one thing I posted on? Uh, was it the Gamma World Forum? Like somebody was talking about, you know, uh, a scenario, uh, setting up a campaign scenario where you know people come back to Earth after you know the the apocalypse. Oh yeah, yeah, um, a, re- a returning ship like the Warden or something comes back to Earth. Yeah, and I posted uh, there was a series of books uh, by John Dalmas. Uh, it was called the, you know, it was a, the series was the Yingling, it was called, because uh, it was centered more in, uh, it was centered in the Scandinavia, and the Yingling was like this coming hero warrior type person. But the books were considered, uh, I mean, the first two books more so than the other ones, they got a little goofy. Uh, I didn't read the, uh, the, the last three of the series, but, because, uh, well, the first one came out, um, the Yingling came out in 19, I think it was 1971. And then Homecoming came out in 83, 84, I think. Um, big span. And it's like, the story is like the Yingling was set in a post-apocalyptic world. Like, not like millions of years, but it was probably a couple hundred. But there was, uh, from what I remember from reading the book, I read this in the 80s uh, or 90s. I think I read it in the early 90s. Um, you know, there were some remnants of a post-apocalyptic situa- uh, this, uh, world there. And then in the second book, Homecoming, um, there's a returning colony ship that comes back to Earth. Um, that lands on Earth. Like, they came back after, like, it was like two or three hundred years. And they're like, hey, guys, oh, wait, what happened? You know, because basically yeah. it's, a, it's a medieval, the world has reset to a, a medieval-style world. You know, that level of technology you know, and, you know, all the, you know, shenanigans ensue with, you know, like, you know, primitive horsemen and guys with ray guns and spaceships, you know, kind of kind of scenario. Uh, but again, you know, that, you know, I would still consider, even though it's, society has kind of moved on to, again, a medieval level of technology and understanding, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it's still not that far. It's a few hundred years. They still have some memory and, you know, spaceships are landing, you know, from before the before time. I would still consider that. A post-apocalyptic kind of setting still, but you know. But again, but when we start getting to these ones that are thousands and thousands of years, I'm like, me personally, I'm like, okay, you got to draw the line somewhere. Well, certainly, I feel like post-apocalyptic um, genre should have as part of the story a connection to the world that was lost. So when we're when we're reading uh, Starman Son. You know, it's all about his trip into the ruins to, you know, to, to, to scavenge for lost technology like pencils, you know, which uh, and paper and things like that that he goes on on his mission for. Um, even some something said, I don't know how many millions of years in the future that Wizards was said, the the connection to the world before is where the the mutants dig up the old nazi propaganda films and discover this ideology that is connected to our world and they apply well, that that was a special scenario because it's like tens of thousands of years that stuff wouldn't be well of course not wouldn't be viable anymore but but that scenario where the past is still uh retrievable 
Yeah, and, or, like or, like, or, like yeah. Starman's Son, like you know, uh, Hiro's Journey, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Eternity Road. Those scenarios where the past is still present yeah. and uh, you know obtainable again, you know, be able to retrieve it. Yes, I say that. Uh, but but when you're like ten million years in the future, and there's maybe a uh, look, the mystic penny from the world of the wizards before that one little bit tie-in is not enough to be a post-apocalyptic to me. Yeah. You know, I agree that you need something better than that uh, for a for the real post-apocalyptic feel. And and one of the things about the post-apocalyptic uh, sort of setting is it is about a reset. So you can, and I and I feel like it's important in the genre to have. Uh, callbacks to the world that's lost um, in sort of its commentary. You can have a bocus apocalyptic stuff like The Survivalist, right? The Survivalist is just doing the Cold War after yeah. the apocalypse. It's just it, more Cold War. And right? it's and it's but and the thing is it's still it's still fresh. It's still kind of happening. Like everything everything's collapsed but it's still going on. That's post apocalypse. That's so that's so close that it's almost kind of it's it's a it's post, but it's not quick because it's still like okay everything collapsed, but shit's still shifting, you know. So it's um, you're still in that world, you know. Things aren't lost and buried. Things are just still laying in front of you, you know. Yeah, but um, what I'm thinking here is is that um, let's see if I can come up with examples uh, of this. Definitely, um, hundred years. I was gonna say things like okay, in things like uh, Fallout, um, there are callbacks despite the fact it's 100 to 200 years after their their apocalypse um there are still callbacks to things that remind us of our current world like the new california republic is supposed to have uh elements that remind us of sort of modern civilization with all its flaws right um whereas the uh the the, um uh new vegas no, I was going to try and remember one of the other faction names. Whereas, you know, the guy who creates the uh, the Legion does so because he found Gibbons, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, and thinks, oh, this is a great way to reorder society. I, I should use this as a model for rebuilding civilization, right? That's where the Legion comes from in New Vegas. Meanwhile, uh, the Brotherhood of Steel, you know, cribs from, you know, knights, and uh, monastic orders like the Templars yeah, or the Knights Hospitaller or whatever. Um, so one of the aspects of certain you know post-apocalypse stories is to reach into things that uh, are our past and pull stuff out and reorder them. You know, you've you've hit the reset button with whatever your apocalypse is, plague, meteor strike, whatever, and now you've got this toolbox which is human civilization up to this point you can reach into and come up with all kinds of new stuff for it you can mix and match into stuff um, because because it's still there you could still retrieve it it's still mm-hmm. obtainable whereas again in other scenarios it's so far gone that you know you can't you can't do that because you've already done what you're talking about mm-hmm. and now things are reordered and progressed so far down the road that those past items are gone at this yeah. point, and now you have new artifacts in this new world that's been created because it's so far down the road. Like it, like yeah. in um, what the fuck? What's the book? Um, 
that I hate and everybody loves. Uh, a Canatel from oh, Leibowitz. Canical. I was I was just about to say Canical. All right. Like that one. Yeah, it's like it starts off supposedly post-apocalyptic, but it didn't feel that. But but it basically reboots. Like you know, it starts a little bit. It seems like it's supposed to be post-apocalyptic, but it's kind of going through the reset. But there really isn't much of an apocalypse, and then it gets to the point where you know it's like modern day again, and it's just a yeah. new, it's just a it's, new, it's just a new world, a new civilization. And then you know? suddenly, it's 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 uh, it's near future before you can say Jack Robinson. The story's moved on to a near future, and that is that is a an interesting point about post-apocalyptic setting. When you say time frame is how long. Does the post-apocalypse last? How long does it look like Mad Max? Mad Max, Road Warrior, everyone's alive. There are lots of people who are alive who can remember what it was like before it got blown up. It's the same thing with, like, um, what was it? The Postman, you know? he That character in the novel was like a freshman or a sophomore in college when it, felt, when it started to fall apart. But then you go and you take something like, I don't know, um, you know, the characters from... Oh, what was it called? Reign of Fire. They all were children when the apocalypse came, but they still remember stuff. They still have a connection to the past. You get into things like, um, oh, you know, again, like uh, 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 Gamma World, Eternity Road, or um, let's see, Logan's Run, no connection to the past. They, 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 they stumble out. Now they, they get one. Because they stumble out of the dystopia, and then there's like, holy shit, there's a Washington Monument and the reflecting pool. But I was also going to say, um, uh, gosh, Waterworld. Waterworld is the there's there's no connection to the past in Waterworld necessarily. I mean, there is, and the, there is. You know, there's, the, there's the tanker, the Valdez, and they've turned the skipper of the Exxon Valdez into a saint. So I shouldn't say there's no connection to the world, but I do like, sorry, yeah. So, Waterworld's not a great example, but I was I was trying to come up with something where. Did you ever read the? Uh, it's. Uh, did you ever read the Pelbar Cycle? No, tell me about that. Pelbar Cycle. Uh, it's seven novels. Uh, the author's name's escaping me for the moment, but it's called the Pelbar Cycle. It's uh, seven books. It's set in a. Po- it's like they're not huge. They're like maybe two hundred something pages a book they're not big um but that's supposedly post-apocalyptic but it's more of a medieval world it's basically you know civilization has come back to medieval there's castles and armies and stuff like that and there is very little left of the apocalypse uh there's the very little previous connection to the world there in one book they do in one book they're going through these empty plains and somehow they hit a spot where they collapse into the ground and they go underground. And what's underground is they fell into an old building, a one-story building. So enough time has passed that a one-story building has been covered by fucking dirt. So it's a bit in the future. I don't remember. I think it was like 800 years or something it's like Paulo that. It's Paulo Williams. I just looked it up. And I, I feel like, I feel like um, if you're going to have it be a post-apocalyptic story, there has to be a stronger connection to the past. There wasn't. Uh, it, that That's what bothered me about it. It's like there was the one scene where they collapsed into this old school. It's an old schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, you know, they, they did a good job of d- describing the, the ancient technology. Like they were describing a pencil sharpener. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? It took me a minute to realize what they were talking about, you know. 
It's a um, classic thing that they wanted you to do in Gamma World, where the, you could describe an object in a way that would befuddle your players that you're talking about a, a rotary phone. You yeah, know? So, so the story at one point has that little connection, but that's about it. There's really not a whole lot to where I'm like, yeah, I guess it is in a technically in a post-apocalyptic world. It's like 800 years later, but there's not real. There's no mutants. There's no. It's just basically it's like medieval sword and sword. It's medieval sword fighting. That's that's all there really is to not it. Not even any sorcery disguised as uh, nope. Thai technology or nope. Uh, they 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 discover technology. They rediscover black powder, and that's like the big thing. And they're gonna conquer these people on the one so-and-so river because, you know, their fortress controls a river and they're going to get gunpowder and make cannons and take them. Very little apocalypse. So that whole series is post-apocalyptic, but it's like, eh, but not really, because they're, like you were saying, that path, that connection to the past is barely there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's the big thing that needs to sort of be in, in, in that's the, the best kind of post-apocalyptic um literature or art is the connection to the past and one of the reasons i think it's it's super important is because a lot of times what's happening with post-apocalyptic art is commentary on the present i mean they're using the apocalypse as a lens to comment on oh uh, any any number it all is and always has been yeah and so uh you know i i the Maybe it's too, I don't know, maybe it's too easy to, to have that direct connection, but I like it. I want to be able to have that connection uh, to the past. Um, you well, know. you need it because it, then it feels post-apocalyptic. Again, these novels that take place so far in advance, so far that don't have that connection, I don't feel it. You know, like uh, Starman's Son, you got that connection. Uh, no Night Without Stars, where they find the crazy fucking cybernetic installation. That's yeah. fucking great. That's got that connection. It's like, yeah, that's post-apocalyptic. Like, it's not too far that they still it's still there. Or the one book of series I told you about. Oh god, what's the name of the book? Um, it was I can't remember again. I don't remember off the top of my head. But there was a a, a short story. Um, oh, it was a Age of Something. I can't remember. But it's a story where you know uh, the post the ruined city. It's 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 a medieval society. But the ruined cities, you know, the ruined cities are still there, mm-hmm. and they're taboo. Like people aren't supposed to go there, but people do because you know people get sick because you know it, you know radiation. And in the uh, and in this story, the uh, one of the main characters stumbles upon this area that was part of a museum or a welcome center or something, and there's a, a holographic AI that when they goes into the area appears because there was like some solar cells that were still keeping its battery charged. It sounds like they use that, that, that it sounds like they kind of use that in, um, uh, in the recent remake of the time machine. You know, when, remember the AI guide, in the museum and the, in the time machine. Vaguely, vaguely. It's one of my, it's, it's one of my favorite tropes where you go into, he goes into, you know, a little, little more futuristic than we are now and there's this you know ai that can project a hologram that you know will guide you through the museum or whatever and he shows back up 500 years after that when that museum is ruined and finds the guttering stuttering ai that still remembers being like yeah i think 
do I remember you? You know, uh, yeah, I just talked to you, well, you know, three days ago in my timeline. But Oh, yeah, so yeah, they took that, yeah, because that that book I'm talking about um, uh, came out like 40 years ago or something like that, Mm -hmm. so... Uh, but yeah, they do that, and it was interesting because they talked to them because it was it was it, it's it had its own level of intelligence, limited, and it, you know it remembered, and you know it, it was dying because its batteries were. I mean, because it didn't, it, the batteries still held up for a little while uh, because of the solar. But you know, once it was being used a lot, like what was left of the batteries, like it wouldn't charge it. But so they talked to the. It was see that was I wish I could remember the name of this. Um, uh, remember the story, but that was a. Uh, story that I like because it was like it was a medieval there was still the connection to the past the cities the AI see that to me was a good post-apocalyptic story like you know Attorney Road good post-apocalyptic story they run into the crazy AI in the subway um, and they find all these other places that I like that kind of post-apocalyptic connection because it's far enough in the future to where there's no nobody alive that remembers the past it's not like you know the Postman or Mad Max, where there's people who were alive remembered, or you know, or like, oh, Grandpa kind of remembers that, and like some of these other yeah. stories I've read. Yeah. No, but there is nobody in living has any living memory of the past, but the past is still there for them to discover and figure out. That's the yeah. kind of I like that kind of apocalypse. Agreed. Um, certainly, it's it's my favorite type because uh, again, it, it it's I don't it, I agree. It's not necessarily realistic that you're going to come by two hundred years later. And dig up, uh, you know, your five-five-six rifle out of the dirt and get it working, you know, uh, like you do in Fallout, like you do in Gamma World, you know. But the idea that the tools of the past exist and that you can use them in some manner to advance, rebuild civilization, take the pressure off of whatever world you live in, um, that there are if not secret knowledge from the past, maybe even lessons from the past that the characters can apply and use. Um, that's and, always, and that's, and, and that's what happens. That in always that, works for me. And that's what happens in that story that I was talking about. It's called vault of ages by, uh, uh, Paul, uh, Anderson, Paul okay. Anderson, Paul Anderson, Paul Anderson, Paul yes. Anderson, vault of ages, because exactly they were breaking into the vaults, the ancient vaults in the taboo cities to get the technology to f- defeat their enemy. So that's exact. That's exact. Perfect example of what you're just talking about. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, you know, the, the, uh, there's that. There's definitely that level of apocalypse. The other sort of like, you know, within it's in memory. Where the apocalypse, the before typism within everyone's memory, always seem to sort of some of the best ones, in my opinion, are the ones that rely on the idea that. We lived in a very specialized society where we're able to have an economic life that doesn't involve farming potatoes and giving half the crop to our local lord so that he can then use it to buy enough chainmail to keep the thugs around him armored enough to keep the bandits out of your backyard. And so that you can grow the potatoes to give me the potatoes to... Yeah, and the cycle, so, the the cycle, the circle of life. You know, <laughs> so we don't. We live in a much more intricately specialized world where you know, um, you know, a world of uh, 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 engineering and installation and customer service and you know, 
and and uh, even people you know paid to create entertainment you know for christ's sakes and they're not just bards you know or whatever but um the deal is is that some of the best post-apocalypse is stuff where when this complicated world collapses and you realize that your job was an accounts executive at an insurance company and you worked the math for actuarial tables or something or you were a you know uh, somebody who bought and sold stocks for a hedge fund where suddenly your skill set is useless and you've got to fill it, figure out how to clean a gutter plant a crop cut a, a cut a piece of wood straight you know uh and at some point you realize oh god not only do, do we need to learn how to you know be carpenters we need to learn how to make carpentry tools because the ones that exist are gonna run out and we've got to have this we got to get back to a sustainable middle ages technology or we're all in a lot of trouble oh yeah Think, because the modern ones aren't even aren't going to work you need to go to a library and find a maybe find a book about these tools to make the tools to make the other tools to make the tools you know it's like <laughs> what <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Some of the best post-apocalypse that, that deals with people dealing with it right afterwards are the ones where you realize how complicated life was and how you have to, the things you're going to have to do to get down to a level of sustainable life when you don't have a population of tens of thousands where people can specialize in, in, in niches, you know, and everyone supports each other. You've got a community of a hundred. Did, and you've got to you've got to keep every you got to have medicine, food, defense, all that happening with just a tiny group of people. Wasn't that starting? Uh, wasn't something like that starting to develop? I think in Last Babylon, like they were realizing, like, oh, uh, yeah, we need to do this, 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 and yes. this. We need to organize. Like, I think that like that was forming in that in Last Babylon. Like yeah. they were realizing that shit. We need we need food. We need yeah. to be able to have wood, and we need to be able to have this. You know, you know, we don't have that. We're like, we just can't go to the store and buy it anymore. You know, so yeah. I think you saw that happening in the last Babylon. There's a um, uh, a very small uh, post-apocalyptic movie called After the World Ended. Does that ring any bells for you? It sounds familiar. The 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 thing that that most stood out for it is that one of the actors in it. Uh, was one of the hosts of um, Mythbusters, and it's not Jamie; it's the other guy whose name I, I'm oh, not um... remembering. Uh, but let me get, let me see if I can pull this up here. Um, and one of the things they taught uh, one of the it's, things it's the, on... yeah, it's it's the guy who's a little more a uh, little more outgoing. Um... Yeah. Yes, Jamie is definitely the the tech introvert compared to the other fella. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, the, one of the things that, that that's sort of in that movie is this thing where, you know, they're having to sort of reinvent things like community justice. They're having to reinvent, um, uh, you know, the social organizations after the end. And at one point he's looking at, you know, their access to weaponry. And yeah, there's a lot of bullets laying around after the apocalypse, but um, they're going to run out. And we don't have the technological ability to form new casings. So we're never, you know, we can reload for a while, but eventually those old casings will be too damaged to work reliably or at all. And, and, what, we and what we really need to be working towards 
is black powder cap and ball cap and ball weapons. Oh yeah, because the, the modern the modern gunpowder to do the reloads is going to run out, and then yeah. you're left with if you discover how to make black powder, that's not enough to. I think we've just talked about this before to really fire. Uh, you know, weapon like you know. A like, lot of modern weapons require the 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 nit- the modern smokeless nitro based uh about powder, and black powder will jam them up good. Uh, you know, it and black powder is less powerful than the smokeless powder. So, so you're, you're, you're not going to get the blowback. You're going to have to, you know, it might you might be able to get it to fire, but then you may have to manually clear it to yeah. even with something yeah. that's on you know semi-automatic you're gonna have to manually do it you know maybe if you're lucky you know yeah. but even then as he's going we need to be figuring out we need to be uh, adapting to a cap and ball uh sort of technology for firearms but even then do we really have the technology to mill barrels replacement parts for a cap and ball weapon and you know sort of sort of understanding the the fact that you don't know how to weave cloth and there's only so long you can scrounge for, you know, stuff in the, in the, in the shopping centers or whatever that you hope will exist that haven't burned down, you know, in the meantime, um, you know, I, I, I remember, I'm, I remember the scene from night of the comet when they're in the, um, um, in the store and they're trying on clothes and, you know, yeah. And they're like, attention KOR shoppers, you know? <laughs> Well, that's that's great when you're in your first three or four, your first week after the apocalypse. The problem is, is when it's six years later, and um, and again the classic bit from the TV series uh, Jeremiah, where they they discover that the people they're up against the mysterious they got, assassin, they, they got spare underwear. Yeah, he has clean underwear, much less underwear. It's also clean, you know. And it was just one of these moments where they're like, I haven't seen underwear in like. I don't know, tw- you know, 10, ten years. years yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's the, that, that's the kind of thing where, you know, the people who are living with the, the recent memory of the world that was realized that they don't know enough to recreate the world where it left off. They're going to have to recreate at best the world a century ago. You know, if. they're not going to, yeah, they're not going to be able to come up with cell phones and iPads. They're going to at best be able to, if we can make a telegraph work, we're going to consider ourselves goddamn lucky. And know? there are people out there who live in these, you know, 18 you know, hundreds type thing where they could do these things, but there are so few of those and far between, you know, and who knows if they will survive whatever global event, you know, so you can't rely on that. You got to rely on, I don't know shit. And books. I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know it, if I'm going to figure it out. It's really the, you know, I better hope there are books. You know, I better hope there are books so I can learn how to do the thing so I can do the thing so I can do the thing. Because, oh, my God, just to make a pair of pliers. Holy crap. The things you need to know to make a pair of pliers, just something that pinches. That's just that fulcrum and lever. Oh, boy. You know, the best I can do is wave wave a stick at it i think that i could wave a stick at it and maybe throw a rock that would be it that's that's about my level of technical expertise oh yeah like like i know how an internal combustion engine works and all the parts and i know i know everything that needs to go in it to make it go make it to make it work i know i couldn't fucking make one uh, to make an engine to power a cart to go around it's like i yeah, i know from how, i know scratch. I, yeah, I know all the part i i know enough to know i know all the parts and I know what all the parts do and where they need to go and how they need to do it, but you got to make one. 
Um, yeah. I'm going to drag my stuff around in a box. You know, it's like, you know, it's... <laughs> I can maybe figure out how to make an axle so I can make a, a cart. I can do a cart. I can make a uh, wheelbarrow. That's about it, you know. Or like like we've discussed in the past, transportation where, you know, third world car, a lot of times people just have a bicycle and they pile things in a bicycle because there'll be plenty of bicycles around with wheels that don't work, but it's got wheels and it's got a platform that you can put stuff on and push it, you know. Yeah, yeah. There, I, I can't remember if it was an old Twilight 2000 module or whatever, but they had this thing where you encounter some refugees who are using side-by-side bicycles with, with sort of, pipes that have been screwed together with um, uh, brackets from uh, that would normally have hold uh, plumbing pipe together now holding the pipe to the frame of the bike to create a rack where they've stacked all of their refugee stuff so at least they have these wheels and the mechanical advantage to push all their stuff around you know and I thought yeah okay that totally makes sense uh, but yeah the, the the complicated nature of our civilization is one of the factors that really strikes me about a post-apocalypse story. One of the best ones was the British TV series, Survivors. Yes. And Survivors really let us know, holy shit. We're there's, in trouble. Yeah, there's too much to know. You cannot get back to the way it was. You can't. Not, not anytime soon. Maybe in a few hundred years. No, as long as you keep, uh, you know, not failing. You know, you, 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 you get some nice steady progress and everyone gets their calories. Yeah. Maybe you can get back to something like that in a hundred years. But the good news is in the post-apocalypse, as opposed to like going from the middle ages to the industrial age is the hard work's already been done and it's all in books. Right. So what we don't have to discover shit from scratch in the apocalypse. Hopefully. Hopefully, if we can, you know, that guy who's defending the library, you know, with his last round, that's the guy you look out for because holy shit, all those boring technical manuals in there, that's what you need to get your hands on, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, one of the people who are going to, you know, like Matthias, going to burn the books so, uh, <laughs> you know, you know which could happen. Brother, fucking brother Matthias. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That asshole. But. <laughs> So I think uh, I think all we've really you know we're gonna wrap this up here, folks, because our our time is uh, is up. Yeah. Is I don't think we've really answered the question that we posed in the first place. Uh, I think we have. I will you you state your thesis and I'll state mine. Oh, I gotta come up with a thesis. What is this school? <laughs> well, you're suggesting that we haven't defined an apocalypse, the post apocalypse. Well, I mean, I, I mean not compl- we well we've defined many apocalypses yeah, and many types I, of apocalypses. But I um, think it's that connection to the past. I think it's really not post apocalyptic literature or art unless there is a connection to the before times. That, that as the a post that is post apocalyptic. Yes, not yes. not pre, not during collapse, not disaster, mm-hmm. but no. post apocalypse. But it has to have the connection. You're right. So. In our opinion, yes, we have we did establish. We both agreed that uh, you're right that the connection to the past is uh, is vital, but it's got to be a good connection, not a thousand years in the future. And look, mama, you know, not you know, uh, you know, you know, finding the you know the doll that doesn't mean anything because there's nothing else around. Ex- you know, it's there's got to be a strong. I think there's got to be a strong connection, uh, or at least uh, you know, to that past, not. Not so vaguely 
shrouded in mist and mystery. There was like, oh, the ancient ones who did this, and we don't have any, we don't know or see or have anything from them, but we know they existed. You know, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, I need, I need that uh, connection, um, and I need it to, to there to be sort of a, it doesn't necessarily have to be absolutely that the past is going to be the thing that helps save the present. Um, you know, that's not necessarily a thing, but, but it, the, the idea that there was a world before and the world before has some effect on the present. And it know? helps, it helps define the present also. Yes, that's exactly right. It helps define the past defines the, the, the post-apocalyptic present. I will. I will say that we've at least come to that conclusion on tonight's episode. Yes. So, folks, that is our take on you know what is an apocalypse. Um, you know, we shit. We didn't even mention anything like the Silo series. You know, which has got some good uh, good fodder for that. Especially since, did you ever read the little side uh, story that he wrote uh, about the other group of people? Did you ever read no. that one? No, I have not. Uh, is it just about- a short story? It's a short story that he put out, and he put out in a collection uh, of various short stories that talks about a group that was somewhere else, mm-hmm. and then they try to go to where that is. You know, it, it kind of wraps up because it takes because it eventually wants to take place after the events of the Silo series, and kind of wrap that kind of wraps it up a little bit. It's Got good. It. Um, I can't remember the name, but it's it's a collection of stories. Um, that he it's tracked that down. It's good. So, um, Will do. so yeah, so we didn't even touch on that one. That would have been a good one. We could have talked about too, but, but folks, all right. So that's, that's going to be it for this week, folks. We hope you were entertained by our banter and hopefully it helped you define the apocalypse for yourself. Cause again, other people are going to have different takes on it, but, uh, you know, this is just based upon our, you know, hundreds and hundreds of post-apocalyptic stories and movies, uh, <laughs> That we yep. have seen and read over our, our time on this planet. So hopefully that'll... Uh, Far too many. Yeah, so hopefully that, that'll help you as well. But um, so we're going to wrap it up tonight, folks. And as always, you know, uh, we're going to, re- you know, uh, our next show that we're going to do, uh, we're going to uh, review uh, uh, Black Summer Season 2. And then after that, because I talked about it, we're going to do a, an off-topic because we have a there's a bunch of little different things out there that we could talk about. So we're going to do that as well. But we're going to do a Black Summer first while it's still fresh in our minds. It's it's barely fresh in my mind anymore. Uh, but we're go, but we're going to talk about it, you know, uh, you know, a little bit because we, we enjoy that enjoy that series. So um, and as always, again, uh, thank you for. Uh, being with us um thank you for so you know people who uh have given that little bit of support we appreciate that um as always you know be socially responsible you know if you want to follow the blog you know you know whatever i'm not gonna repeat this like i always do so uh that's it folks you know yeah i've you know if you've listened to any of these shows you've heard me talk about these things a hundred times so just well, 88 times. So you, you know, know what to do. Exactly 89 times you've heard it. 88 times you've heard us tell you be socially, uh, medially responsible. Be so responsible, you know. Uh, you know, if you like it, you know, like it, follow it, share it, uh, tell your friends, you know, whatever you need to do. So, like I said, we just, we do this because we, we, uh, we enjoy talking about the subject matter. So, all right, folks. So that's going to be it. Again, look forward to uh, the next show coming out soon. I'm the Apocalypse Nerd. He's Adam Baum Glancy. Thank you and good night. If you enjoy the content we produce, please consider supporting us with a cup of coffee. 
Go to ko-fi.com slash p-c-a-g-z for more details. Keep up to date with us by visiting podcast at groundzero.com and subscribe to the blog via email.